it's still, for the most part, a very people-orientated business. And the thing I liked about it was I would be working with people across disciplines. So I would be working with somebody who's in a marketer or somebody who's in sales or somebody who's in technology or somebody who's an engineer. You're working with people that have a very different perspective on whatever it is you're trying to achieve. It made me a better kind of finance person, but it also opened me up to what they're thinking about at the same time. This is Professional Confessionals. We're joined today by former CFO and current compliance officer, Mike LaRocco. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Oh, you're very welcome. Let's dive right in. Tell us about your path to the present moment. Where did you go to school? What did you think of studying at the time, at the time of your high school graduation? Tell us the story of that. Sure. Well, my story is kind of interesting because I got inspired by a friend of my dad's. He was a CPA, and he, on an annual basis, would do our family's taxes. And, you know, I can remember this going back to when, you know, I was a youngster. And there's just something about him and the way he carried himself and the way he kind of just worked through the process that I was kind of intrigued by. And I was just like, wow, this seems like a really kind of a cool thing this guy is doing. That was kind of like my first little glimpse of, you know, the world of accounting and finance and and specifically he being a CPA. So I went through my high school years and, you know, at the time they were you know, making decisions about schools and majors of study and things like that. And that image of him just always like stuck with me. So I, uh, at college years, I went to school at Hofstra University out on Long Island where I'm from originally and started studying public accounting and finance and kind of took it from that original inspiration from when I was probably an eight or nine-year-old kid right through and, you know, just kind of never looked back. I, I really enjoyed the profession and what it's meant to me and, you know, my family and things like that. So did you always love math? Was that like a strong suit of yours? Well, it was interesting because when I first started out and, you know, being a youngster, I was just like, well, it's a, it's a lot about math and stuff like that. And I did have a propensity for math. But what I found out about the profession once I got into it, it was much more about like things of, that really interest me, like strategy and, and business decisions and the like. It wasn't less, you know, when the calculator came into play that took a, the math out of the equation a little bit. And then obviously computers in the 80s, you know, that wiped out the the need to be a, you know, a mathematician. But it became more about helping businesses grow, make important decisions and things like that. Explain to us what it is that a, a CFO does. Okay. So I started my career in, in, in public practice with a large firm and learned an immense amount about a lot of different industries and the like. And the one thing I found out about that particular industry, and I was on the auditing side of things at the time, I kind of called myself a financial historian, meaning that I would come in in March and look at all the results for the prior year, right? So, you know, we're always kind of like looking backward to some extent. And I did that for, you know, about seven or eight years and enjoyed it, learned a ton. But what I was really intrigued about was what the future was going to look like. And I really wasn't getting that in, in the current position that I was in. So I made a decision to move to industry where I would be on the front lines of, you know, yeah, we need to look back and how we did last year. But more importantly, what are we going to be doing three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? 
that strategic decision-making and forward-lookingness really got me excited. And that's where I spent a majority of my career on that side of things. So it's sort of helping to steer the company that you're working with. It's a direct involvement rather than just keeping track of what they've done, which Absolutely. sounds like the previous career. Absolutely. Was. I mean, there was always that part of keeping track of what we'd done that was part of my responsibilities, and I enjoyed doing that, but the real excitement was the future forward-looking. And so that puts you into direct interaction with all the upper management. Do they come to you with their plans, wondering what the financial ramifications are? Is it that kind of role that you play? Yeah, actually, um, and, and interestingly enough, the, the CFO role over the last mm, several decades that, that I've been involved has actually evolved quite a bit. Usually a lot of the planning was done just like you described, and then they would come to the financial folks and say, what do you think about this? And probably, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the mid-90s, at least my experience, we became more part of the decision-making process. It wasn't like, here are the plans, what do you think? We were kind of brought in to help do the planning, which actually I found even more exciting. So the roles changed dramatically, I think, over time, And, and a lot of professions have an arc to them. You know, they'll change over time. Some of it had to do with, with technology kind of taking a lot of the, let's call it back office work away. It really freed our time up to be able to contribute in a lot of other different ways. Hopefully freed your time up and not freed your job up from, uh, <laughs> from needing personnel. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, unfortunately, that was a piece of, you know, technology that did, you know, put a dent in in some people's careers, obviously, when you, you know, you had a room of people. And I go back long enough that there were ledgers and and people writing in ledgers and things like that, you know. And when computers came in, kind of sped up that process. Unfortunately, it did affect some people. And a lot of those folks actually got tuned into the technology, got the appropriate training, and, and were able to take that new tool and run with it. So then it elevated their profession. In those cases, yeah, absolutely. What qualities do you think are necessary to work and thrive in this field? That's an interesting question. I guess I should look at myself and figure out what I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think in my particular case, and again, everyone's different how their approach is, but I'm generally a very highly organized person. And when you're juggling, you know, multiple balls in the air and depending on the complexity of your company... I mean, most of my career was with a large multinational. So, you know, you're dealing with global issues and, and you know, multiple, multiple hundreds of offices around the, around the globe. Being unorganized could be a bit of a problem. So that's number one. I'd say organizational skills. Two, having a very kind of analytical approach to things. You know, when you're dealing in finance, obviously the backbone of it is numbers and, and, and data. You know, having an analytical mind, I think, is also really quite important about it. The one thing that I did like about the the piece that I described earlier about the strategic piece and the future forward-looking piece is the um, ability to use some of my own internal creativity to actually do that. Because it's at that point, it's not all about the numbers and the data. You know, you have to kind of look forward in, in a bit of a creative way to say, well, what if this path, we take this path or that path or this path or create a new path? So it kind of blended a number of different skills for me personally. And there's a number of factors that you have to look at outside of just straight accounting or the financial aspects. Finance and accounting have a reputation of being not that interesting, potentially, like kind of boring. People's accountants, oh, how boring. But the job you describe doesn't sound boring at all. 
No, it wasn't. I, you know, and, and again, I think there are people and colleagues that I know that remained in public practice. You know what I mean? That were still that are still doing auditing. You know, kind of that historical aspect, and they really enjoy their profession. So for me, it was really more about the the other piece that I described. You know, so I think everybody has their niche and finds their place, the, the work that they really love to do, and and are successful at it. I never found finance and accounting to be typically um, boring. I think there's a natural excitement to it, you know, especially when you're dealing with a publicly traded company and you have earnings and quarterly filings with the SEC and press releases and investment community people to deal with. So that doesn't get too boring, <laughs> needless to say, and shareholder meetings. <laughs> and there's deadlines and crunches and you have to really, you know. Absolutely. Do, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. It, there's a certain level of, well, in any profession, but there's a certain level of extra dedication with respect to deadlines and things like that that's really top of mind for a lot of CFOs. Do you think your profession has changed you? If so, how? Hmm. That's really interesting. What a, what a great question. Did it change me? You know, I, I kind of take the position that people are kind of wired a certain way whatever that is. And it's not a good or bad thing. It's just the way they are. And I think I found a profession that kind of utilized my own internal wiring, so to speak, to the best of my ability. You know, I found something that I was able to apply talents that I think I have or honed or learned and uh, was able to achieve something you know positive out of that. So I don't know if it changed me. I think I just found something that was able to utilize some of the talents that I had. Have you ever worked with anyone who you felt like, this is so not a match for you? What are you doing in this field? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, over my career, I think I've counseled people that just weren't, ha- they just didn't seem happy, you know, coming to work every day. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always told everyone that I worked with is that, you know, uh, I just had this, I had actually a a sign on my wall somebody made me. It was just, you know, and it's been used before, but it's that this work hard, play hard thing. You know, if, if you didn't find some fun or some play in what you're up to, it might not necessarily be the right thing for you, whatever that is. So I've over the years counseled people out and said, you know, this, this doesn't seem like something you want to really be doing, is it? And, and a lot of times if they were honest, they'd say, you know, I've, I've been kind of like, dealing with that right now. And I said, well, you know what? I said, take some time. And I was never one to just toss somebody out unless it was cause or, you know, something bad happened. I said, you know, why don't you think about it and let me know. I said, if there's something else you want to be doing, let's figure out how you can go do that and be happy. Yeah, there's been a few people over the course of my career that got out counseled, so to speak. Whatever profession I think people end up doing, And let's just take the instance where it's not kind of a a highly creative profession. You know, it's kind of more square block and tackling kind of thing. But I think if you have a kernel of of, uh, creativity in you, you have to foster that, even if you're doing whatever it is you're doing. I know for me personally, that's enhanced everything else that I do, you know, whether it's writing or literature or music or art or painting or sculpting or whatever it is continue that. You know, don't lose sight of it. Don't lose track of it. Make it a part of whatever it is you end up doing. I think it's just a a critical life lesson. I think it was Brene Brown who said, unexpressed creativity is not benign. I think 
maybe you're alluding to something like that mm-hmm. because you, you need to feed that part of yourself. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Do you generally like the people you work with, those that have been attracted to the field that you work alongside as colleagues? Yeah, you know, I think, I don't know if this is true for every profession, but I always felt that colleagues that I worked with were all kind of cut out of the same block of wood. That's how we ended up where we were. You know, maybe some like personality traits and, you know, things like that. There wasn't too many, I don't know, Robin Williams that I met in the finance and accounting business. And I guess that may be just the nature of how people pick career paths. Is there anything that surprised you about this field? Or are there any misconceptions that you'd like to dispel? It's about surprises, but maybe dispel some urban legends or something like that. I think there is, and Steve, you made this point about, you know, accounts can tend to be maybe kind of like sedate and kind of dull folks and things like that. And I, I, although there may be some, and I think there's some in every profession, I think there are people who also express, you know, a real joy about what they're up to. Although they're probably for every profession kind of a stereotypical profile that people think of, I think it's exciting to be kind of like an outlier maybe in whatever business you happen to be in or whatever career you happen to be in and be a little bit different, a little bit unique. I remember one of my first interviews when I entered private industry for this large multinational and, and they were, it was me and somebody else. And I remember talking to one of the senior vice presidents there and he says, well, what, you know, what makes you different? And I said, well, I said, I don't consider myself a bean counter. Although I do count beans, I was like, I'm not going to be defined by that. I said, I have a lot more interests and, and I think traits that, that would work really, really well um, in this particular role and would help everyone around me. So I think that was how I landed my first big gig. But, you know, I felt that. I always felt that way. I always felt that way. That there's much more to you than your profession and career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think we all know people who are entirely defined by their career, and that may work for that particular individual. Um, but I think each person has to figure out um, for themselves, you know, what pieces of themselves they want to hold on to with whatever profession they kind of choose and road they take. Were there any major obstacles or challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, I think the single largest obstacle was the amount of time it took me to devote to my profession. I mean, I was working, uh, absorb, you know, incredible amount of hours. And again, some of it was just my responsibilities. But I, you know, about 10 years ago, I, you know, I made a real career decision to step away from that, you know, 70, 80 hour work, work week and, and, and immense amount of travel because of family. That's another piece, going back to that earlier point I made about, you know, making sure that you don't get defined by your profession. I think I could have easily just continued on the path that I was on, you know, working an immense amount of hours and traveling a lot and not really being around for my family. I think I made a choice about 10 years ago and said, you know, I think it's time to kind of get out of this real exciting and enjoyable, but immensely time-consuming profession and kind of pull back a little bit. So that's where I ended up, you know, doing this compliance type work that I'm doing now. Talk to us a little bit about the compliance work that you're doing now. What does that mean? Well, basically, I I work for a federal governmental agency, and I look at large kind of multinational companies and and make sure that they're complying with, you know, regulatory issues and, and other kinds of compliance type laws that are on the books. 
Tell us about your proudest moments and biggest disappointments in your career. Low point was probably when we had to make very difficult decisions about personnel. And luckily, it didn't happen very often in my career, knock wood. But there was one instance where we had actually closed a facility. That was really, really difficult. It was clear it needed to be done. And it affected a lot of people. And that was just really tough. And I was kind of part of that process. So, uh, and that was a really long time ago, and it only occurred once, thank goodness. But that was probably the toughest day that I had to experience because I was actually out there and speaking with people and things like that. So that was, that was rough. And you experienced them becoming upset and having to deal with the loss of their jobs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, and some people in varying degrees had spent, you know, quite a few years at this facility, you know, and working really hard. It was difficult to talk to people about, about that because it was clearly an emotional day for everybody. So that was kind of my, my low point. I was back in the like early 90s. And in terms of a high point, well, I guess there was a lot of those, thank goodness, and then the low points. I was involved towards the end in a lot of like these um, global rollouts of like software applications and things like that. And that turned out better than we had actually expected. A lot of it had to do with inflow of information where we would request information. It would take like a week to kind of get back what we needed from these various places. And then, you know, in, in the kind of the crazy world we live in, you know, a week data that's a week old is already stale. You know, there wasn't anything even close to real time. I, we did some research and found some incredible applications, rolled them out, and then, um, you know, we were able to get information very quickly, very rapidly. You know, that was kind of like one exciting thing because it was a really large project. And luckily it turned out how we hoped it would. And there was a lot of hard work and a lot of people contributed to that. But yeah, that was kind of like a simple little high point. And I think the other high point was going back to that work hard, play hard thing. I mean, I can remember, this is a crazy story, but I was working uh, at an office downtown in in New York. I can't even remember what year it was, but it was like first snowfall. And and I was living in New York at the time. And uh, it was a couple of us in the office and it was about 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And everyone was kind of like, oh, it's first snowfall, first snowfall, everything's kind of cool. I said, I got a great idea. So everybody's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, we're going to go, we're all going to go, like a bunch of us who were left. I said, let's go to Central Park and, and like sled. Like, well, we don't have sleds. It's like, no, but we have FedEx boxes. So we actually <laughs> sliced open the FedEx box and made like a long kind of like, you know, maybe one person little sled. And we found the first hill that we could find and we just, we went sleigh riding, you know, so... So that was kind of like, uh, I'd say that was another high point of my career. And it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing. But the relation to your career is the FedEx boxes. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you know, the, they have that waxy surface on yeah, the bottom. Yes. So it's nice and slippery yes. for, the, for the snow. You know, the, the high points actually are less about, for me at least, making a quarterly number or something like that. It was about the friendships and the, and the joy that, you know, you have with people that you work with. Because at the end of the day, whatever business you're in, I think, or many businesses, you know, it ends up being about the people, people that you work with or the customers you have or the clients you have or the vendors you have or things like that. It's about relationships and the like. So I think that to me creates a lot of the high points. I mean, making numbers are great, you know, but that's just making numbers. The human aspect of it, I think, is really the critical factor. 
And it seems to me that your particular job determines the kind of interactions that you're going to have because of your role. But in general, I think that's a really important concept. And people may not consider it when they're considering careers. What kind of people are in this business? What kind of people will I be surrounded with? And will it be fun? Will I find camaraderie? You know, for me, I don't know how much of it ended up accidental. Getting back to that very early point about my traits kind of matching the career path. But I think when people really start to assess what they think they'd like to do, I think a a big part of that is really knowing who you are yourself and what gets you excited or what particular things do you gravitate towards and what you gravitate away from. Because I think that's going to help the process. Not that it'll be an absolute, oh, that's the one. It may be several, but at least it may steer you away from things that, to your point, Steve, that you just say, yeah, I have an allergic reaction to cats, so maybe I shouldn't become a veterinarian or something, or you know, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. That's kind of a silly example, but I think it makes the point. If you could change any aspect of your career, what would you change? Hmm. You know, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Whatever career you pick, you kind of like, I don't say you make the most of it, but things that were kind of speed bumps, you kind of learn to navigate around them or go over them slowly. (laughs) So I think, I don't know if there's anything necessarily I'd say I would change because I think any career has its speed bumps, potholes and stuff like that that you have to kind of navigate around. And I think that also contributes to how good a professional you are with whatever it is you're doing. So I don't know, I don't know if there's something I would necessarily change in that context. What has changed about how you navigate speed bumps and potholes in your years of experience? Take the Mike who was just starting out as opposed to someone who has the wealth of your knowledge now. Since I brought up speed bumps and potholes, I'll use a car analogy, I guess. (laughs) I think when you start, you first start out in your career, you know, when they tell you, you know, you're driving in a highway and I think when you're starting your career, you're only looking one car ahead of you for the brake lights. And I think the further you go in your career, you learn, I have to look maybe three or four cars ahead of the car in front of me for the, to see if the brake lights go on. You know what I mean? So you have to be a little bit more, or have a little bit more perspective uh, going forward and not be so short term and be a little longer term. So I think that's kind of like my takeaway, given the fact that I'm like 100 years old by now. So I think that's the, that's the gist of it. You know, don't look one car ahead, look several cars ahead. But you don't necessarily get that from day one. You know, that's something I think that happens over time. Is the rule one car length for every decade that you live? <laughs> that would be a lot of cars for that would be a lot of car lengths for me. I don't know, but I think that's it. You know, I think because when I think you start out, you know, there's this a natural excitement about, okay, I'm I'm starting it is what I, I planned on doing. And there's an immediacy to it. And I think the closer the mirror gets to your nose, the more apt you are to stumble. And the further it is away, I think the more you see ahead. Would you recommend it to people suited to it? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think, one, it's interesting. Two, it's still, for the most part, a very people-orientated business. And the thing I liked about it was I would be working with people across disciplines. So I would be working with somebody who's a marketer or somebody who's in sales, or somebody who's in technology, or somebody who's an engineer. You're working with people that have a very different perspective on whatever it is you're trying to achieve. 
And I think that makes, it made me a better kind of finance person, but it also opened me up to what they're thinking about at the same time, you know, because I think finance people can just get caught up in the numbers and they lose sight of one people. <laughs> That's a big thing. And two, the, the other folks that are at the sea level, you know, what's important to them and what matters to them. I think it's a great place for somebody who, you know, who's interested in that type of work environment. Are there jobs available? Are there, is there demand for people in finance? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the latest trends that I've seen is that, you know, they're still not quite graduating enough, people in the accounting and finance backgrounds. The services industry continues to kind of like really grab a lot of grads. And I know from people in the industry that they're still hiring relatively large numbers on an annual basis, large consulting firms, as well as midsize and smaller practices. So I think there's, there continues to be a demand for people in this profession, for sure. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you'd do differently? You know, it's funny. I think if I went back and, and got really like analytical about it and say, well, and I looked at all the decisions that I've made, I'm sure there's, you know, I have a, a box full of stuff that I say, ah, you know, I shouldn't have done that. But I think the fact that I made those decisions put me in a, a different place and on the path that I ended up on to where I am today. So, you know, although there's probably a number of faux pas back there, you know, and things I should have kind of like, ah, I sh- shouldn't have done that. I think it's part of the fabric of where I am today. So I, like taking those things out, I'm not sure I'd be exactly where I am now, right now. So I have to kind of take those instances, learn from them, and just, you know, continue to move ahead. You know, one of the things that I think, I, I don't know if it's human nature, but Specifically, when, when people are making that transition from about college decisions or things like that, I think one of the big anxiety buttons is like, I'm going to make the wrong choice or I'm going to make the wrong decision. And trust me, at 18 and 19 years old, you have plenty of time <laughs> to make up for a decision that didn't necessarily work out. And you can adjust and, you know, kids change majors it would be interesting to find out the statistic. Like I, I happen to be one of the statistics where I chose something and I stuck with it and it kind of turned out. But I would venture a guess that I'm not in the majority, that a majority of students go and are not quite sure what they want or pick something and then shift gears a little bit. So I think not to be afraid to make a mistake is really pretty important. Don't get caught up or frozen by that potential fear. Just kind of like, you know, do your self-assessment, which I think is super important, and then take it from there. Because I think if you know yourself, you're ultimately going to end up in the right place. What advice would you give someone who's considering a career in this field? One of the things that helped me a great deal was really learning the fu- real fundamentals. And starting in public practice, I think for me, was great. You saw a lot of different industries. You started to understand businesses kind of like from the inside out or the outside in, depending on your perspective. And it gave you a really good basis to kind of like take a leap forward. You know, it's the old, the stronger the foundation of the house, the stronger the house analogy. Don't try to do too much too soon. Really take the time and and learn the basics. You really do need that nowadays. The way technology is kind of changing things, like the next 
big wave currently in the profession is going to be blockchain technology as well as artificial intelligence, which is now going to start to take a role, you know, a machine role in things that some humans used to do, right, in some cases. So I think learning all the basics first is going to help you apply these new technologies or methodologies that are going to be coming down the pike and not to leap ahead too quickly. Is there anything we haven't covered here that you think is important for anyone considering a similar path to know? I would just go back to know yourself. I mean, I think that's a really super important thing. And I think doing some work with some kids who are, you know, kind of trying to evaluate themselves and things like that and see it in the, the college process. When they get to that point in time where they're writing essays and things like that, it's kind of like the first time they were ever asked to write about themselves. Up until then, everything's been a book report, so to speak. The schools ask questions about, who are you? Like, what is about you that a lot of kids have trouble with that because they just don't have experience doing it. I think kids who like journal and stuff like that, who kind of like explore whatever it is is going on with them, I think have a better sense of themselves than some kids who don't, you know, who just kind of like just are taking the tests and doing well and just moving along and moving forward. The better you know yourself, I think the easier all the transitions are going to be, whatever they are. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Yes, thank you for sharing that. Thank you both for having me. This was really fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. To hear more and subscribe, visit our website, professionalconfessionals.com. You can find Professional Confessionals on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.